The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 172 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, I'll be talking with Dr. Luna Liu, who's the ACPA professor and director of the Center for Intelligent Infrastructure at Purdue University. And we'll talk about intelligent infrastructure. And what really hit me in having this conversation with Dr. Liu is that so often we hear about our crumbling infrastructure. ASCE's done a tremendous job with the report card, which helps to really make the public aware of the needs of our infrastructure. And that's very important, especially in terms of getting funding to allow us to be able to work on that infrastructure. However, this idea of intelligent infrastructure is a whole nother area of opportunity for the civil engineering world and the civil engineering professional, quite frankly. And we get into this in the episode a little bit, how, you know, roads will be talking to cars and it's going to open up different software opportunities, which is ultimately going to open up a lot of interesting opportunities for civil engineers. I mean, you can pivot in your career to jobs that don't even exist right now in the world of civil engineering. So this is what I got really excited about in talking with Dr. Liu in this episode, and I hope you find some excitement in it as well. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. Now, before we jump in here and I introduce Dr. Liu, I do want to mention a couple of training opportunities that we have coming up. One of them is a complimentary webinar that we're going to be opening up. It's our monthly civil engineering collective webinar. That's a service that we provide to civil engineering companies where they have several of their employees and staff go through our monthly calls on different topics, some technical, but a lot of professional development related people management, project management. And I'm going to be leading our call in May, at the end of May, at the end of the month, It's the session's going to be entitled Scope Creep, Identifying and Reducing This Huge Project Management Pitfall. Scope Creep is really debilitating for civil engineering companies and projects because their staff, their team members, they work on components of the project that are not included in the scope and they put it against their original fee. And so they go over budget, causes a lot of problems with client relationships. And so this is going to be a one-hour session. You can get a PDH in all states except for New York. And all you have to do is you can go to civilengineeringcollective.com. You can click on the contact us button. Just put in the form that you heard on through the podcast and you want to join and we'll give you information to jump on that call and receive that PDH. You can also, if you're on our newsletter and you receive our newsletter, it'll be in the newsletter for the next couple of weeks or you could just respond to the newsletter. So I wanted to make that opportunity available to you. I also want to mention our Engineering Management Accelerator Series. In the first quarter of the year, we had over 100 engineering professionals that went through one of our EMA courses, whether it was our Engineering Leadership Accelerator, which is our People Skills course. We have a Level 1 and Level 2 course. We have our Project Management Accelerator PM Skills course focusing on PM skills, scope, schedule, budget. We also have our new Seller Doer Accelerator course, which is focused around business development. Your company will love the course because they can enroll you in one of the sessions or they can buy seats for all of your team members in the different courses. 
PDHs, space repetition, you get assignments that help you to really take these skills and bring them back to the job. You could check all the courses out if you go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and just click on training, or you can call our office at 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007, and we'd love to help you get enrolled. So now I'd like to introduce our guest for the show, Dr. Luna Liu. Dr. Liu is an ACPA professor of the Lyle School of Civil Engineering at Purdue University School of Materials Engineering and a faculty at Burke Nanotechnology Center at Purdue University. She is also the founding director of the Center for Intelligent Infrastructure at Purdue University. Dr. Liu has extensive research expertise in nanomaterials synthesis, device development, and related sensor technologies for energy harvesting and structure sensing and monitoring. She's given numerous keynotes and has been invited and contributed talks at top research conferences. She's won several scientific awards, too many to name here, and she's also transferred a few of the technologies from her research lab into engineering applications and formed companies based on her innovations. And we're going to get into a bunch of those in the interview today. So with that, let's dive into our civil engineering conversation of the week with Dr. Luna Liu. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the podcast for today. Dr. Luna Liu is an ACPA professor of the Lyle Schools of Civil Engineering at Purdue University. Luna, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. You're very excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And, and Luna, I briefly introduced you to our listeners a little bit earlier on, but kind of in your own words, can you talk a little bit about what you do on a daily basis at Purdue? So at Purdue, I have two hats. One is I'm an ACPA professor at Lyle School of Civil Engineering. So in that job, my daily responsibility including conducting research and running a large experimental lab and developing new technologies such as a sensing technology, self-healing concrete, which I will talk a little bit about later in the show. I do a fair amount of teaching and grad student mentoring as well. That's the primary responsibility as a professor, really to educating the next generation of the leaders in the civil engineering field. The second job I have is the founding director of the Center for Intelligent Infrastructure. So in that role, I'm promoting the center, the research and the faculty, grad students in the center, and also to help bridging the research between the industry, academic, and the federal agency. And we're also trying to translate the technology developed from the Purdue into the real-life application through entrepreneurship, through the education, through the collaborating with the industry. That's great. And that's what we're going to get into quite a bit of that around intelligent infrastructure. And in fact, I want to start a little bit here with infrastructure. You know, in light of the economic crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic, there is a continued debate over how to improve the nation's infrastructure as a lot of the systems are facing shortfalls. Could you give us your own update on how you feel the condition of the U.S. infrastructure is from your perspective? I want to give some data. I mean, as a scientist and engineer, I like data, right? So let me share with you some data. This is the newest report released by American Society of Civil Engineering, March 17. So in this report, on average, the infrastructure in the U.S. is rated as C-minus. 
So what does that mean? Let's break down into the details. For instance, right, the water infrastructure is really in jeopardy. And for, for example, every two minutes, there is a waterman breakdown somewhere in the United States. So if you think about it, the total volume of this, it means a six million gallon of the fresh water will be lost per day in the United States. That is equivalent to 9,000 swimming pools, standard swimming pool on daily basis. You probably heard about 2020, there was a, a water dam broke down in Michigan, right? And there was the 2,000 families that has to relocate it, of course, a property damage and, you know, things like this. I think it's happened. Unfortunately, every time we report the news about civil engineering, it's bad news, right? That's one thing. And another thing I want to point it out, another data, and if you're looking at on the road and infrastructure, when we talk about road bridges, 43% of the public road in poor or mediocre condition. I mean, we're no surprise that driving on the road, there is potholes, there is a construction, people joking about in the Midwest, such as Indiana, we have two seasons, right? One is winter season, another is construction season. So there is a constantly repairing of the old infrastructure. And then we have a 6 million bridges. Out of 6 million bridges in the United States, we have 13% are in structure obsolete. And the non-percent are really in structure deficient. And people actually driving on that on a daily basis. I would say, I'm not saying, you know, catastrophic failure happens on a daily basis. However, if it happened, it could be catastrophic failure, right? So thanks for all those engineers who has been constantly fixing or improving. But that being said, if you think about it, all the major infrastructure built in last time we had this large infrastructure construction was after World War II, right? So we have five, six decades of improving the infrastructure, right? Rather than building a newer infrastructure. And if you think about it, the traffic jam caused by this insufficient infrastructure in the United States, it's wasted you and me, everybody, four billion hours per year, which is equivalent to three billion gallon of the gasoline per year. So it was the time and the resources we have been wasting. So I think it is the time. If you're looking at the data, right, what this data tell us, this is clearly it's the time to not only renovating or patching, let's just do a little bit of patch here and there. It really is to building the next generation of the infrastructure, which I think it's important to have to make it intelligent. It's important to build infrastructure, but we cannot build according to the past. We have to build according to the future. I really like how you break it down into really what we're missing out on or what we're losing, or like you said, the amount of water that we're losing on a daily basis, because I do feel like the ASC infrastructure report card is great. And we've had many episodes covering that. And it's nice to have that report card, but we also need to be able to communicate the gravity of what that report card means to people that aren't engineers, people that are policymakers, et cetera. And so some of the terms that you used, I feel can really open people's eyes and help them to understand how important this is. And I hope that through some of the media interactions, we can have more of that because the only way that we're going to get people to act on the report card is if they understand the consequences of not acting on it in something that they can really wrap their head around, so to speak. 
Absolutely. I think as you pointed out, awareness is the beginning of transformation, right? We have to be aware of the scale of this problem, our daily basis. I mean, our, you and me as a taxpayer, right? So it's important. We are not only taxpayer, we are also using the infrastructure, how that infrastructure impact the quality of you and me and our, the generation, next generation's quality of the life. And another thing I want to point it out, Anthony, is not only about existing infrastructure is in poor condition. If you think about technology has been going in the exponential speed, particularly on the transportation, right? If you think of this autonomous vehicle, right, electrical cars, truck platooning, and how that impacts infrastructure, how can we use the poor or mediocre or even bad infrastructure to support autonomous vehicles? When everybody is driving autonomously, or even we have this, I think probably we're going to have a long-term period of a hybrid condition, right? Somebody would not like an autonomous vehicle because they enjoy the driving, so which is fine. And particularly with this hybrid condition, that will bring tremendous complicity in the safety, mobility, and, you know, the cybersecurity. So if you think about the car communicated, it's all through the internet, through the Wi-Fi, through the cloud. And if our infrastructure is not supporting this technology, which currently definitely is not, when we built it 50 years ago, who knows this will be autonomous vehicle, right? So this add another challenge on top of the existing infrastructure. I did not hear a lot of talk about that, but I think this is an important thing we need to keep in the perspective. We hear mostly about the physical deterioration of infrastructure, not necessarily the challenge of matching the technology of the vehicles that are going to be utilizing that infrastructure. And that's going to, of course, have a limitation potentially on how much that technology can really help us if it can't pair with the roadways, et cetera. So that's definitely something that we need to think about. And Luna, your research centers on the discovery of functional nanomaterials with tunable properties for energy harvesting and infrastructure sensing applications. So tell us more about that, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with that. And also, maybe you can just talk about what intelligent infrastructure is. So I think you have asked a couple of questions. Let me go by each so first, the nanotechnology for making the material tunable and for energy harvesting and infrastructure sensing. Let me give you some examples, right? For instance, the current road cannot communicate with us. I would probably confidently say half of the construction job is done by a guessing game or based on the experience. For instance, when we should open the traffic after major renovation of the interstate? This is really based either on the experience, what's the past experience, or we will using a very small cylinder testing, four by eight inch cylinder to correlate this 100 miles of pavement. And that strength of the cylinder can definitely not correlate with this large scale of the pavement, right? So it's typically we are either guessing, okay, three days we should open this traffic, or if it's major interstate, such as Interstate 65 go through a half of United States, and people will say, let's just open it by 12 hours. It really means you have eight hours doing the renovation. You have eight hours to cut the current 
potholes off and moving. And, and then, so we're really leaving four hours for concrete curing. And after four hours, we need to open this road for large semi to go through, right? No wonder every six months you go back and patch it because the structure will go through what we call the premature damage. On the other hand, you could just wait there for three days and then, then that delay the traffic and again, waste the time everybody's time. So what we're currently doing is to developing this intelligence sensor. We can embed it in the concrete and then the concrete can measure its own strengths and sending the signal through the Wi-Fi to the engineers say, hey, I'm ready to be open. I reached this particular threshold, let's say 3000 PSI in compression or 500 PSI in fluctual. Now I'm ready to take this load that was designed for this road. So what we could do is we enable engineer to do this data-driven decision, right? To see what's the optimized traffic opening time for major renovation. And we can make a data-driven decision for what would be optimized the maintenance schedule, right? When we should go back to fixed road before it's just to have completely deteriorated or, you know, before it reached to this critical point, right? I think that that's number one. And number two, what we talk about self-healing material. So self-healing material is some concrete has this ability we developed at the lab, which has ability to heal its crack, its own crack. Of course, there has to be a certain length, right? Currently, we can do a width about 75 to 100 micron, which is typically your early shrinkage and crack and, you know, the small crack through the fatigue damage of the loading, unloading, acceleration of this traffic. So what does this means to us is means we could actually saving the maintenance time, the concrete can heal itself so we can prevent the future, you know, the salting and the scaling effect or corrosion or other durability related issues. So that is major of my research work. The second question you ask about intelligent infrastructure, right? So what is the intelligent infrastructure in a sense is what is, let's define the intelligence. I think the intelligence in our sense, it's have this four ability. First of all, it has ability to self-healing like a sustainable material. So we're using the sustainable materials and the adaptive to adaptive human needs. If uh, we all have this uh, experience, you know, during the rush hour, you may have a one-way traffic is always in a jam, right? And other traffic as less traffic. Can this link be automatically change the direction or can we have flexible link to adapt to the traffic needs? So that's adaptivity. And we can have a road communicated to the users. So if you drive on the infrastructure, let me give you an example. Every road is 65 miles per hour, right? So some roads and some bridges in the structure deficient. Maybe this road can send a signal to your smartphone, uh, to an autonomous vehicle on a dashboard, say, I'm in a very poor condition. I'm getting older. Would you please slow down at 35 or 40 miles per hour? We can we build this level of communication between the infrastructure to the user? Can we make the infrastructure be adaptive to the user's needs, right? How can we make infrastructure automatically respond to the nature disaster? Think about recent event that happened in Texas, right? So is there any way we can do agreed allocation, reallocation, balancing? I think those type of things are very important. I want to emphasize the four characteristics and the one is sustainable. 
we use sustainable material, right? And then the infrastructure can last for a longer period of time. And we want infrastructure to be adaptive to the human needs. And we want infrastructure to have this feature we call the autonomy. And then we also, the infrastructure to be secure. In a sense, it's not just the physical secure, but also cybersecurity, particularly when we embrace this autonomous vehicle technology. I'm glad you really broke it out like that into the four different components. Just one kind of question on that. You mentioned the ability to adapt for infrastructure. I know in New York State, and I'm sure in other states, they have kind of, for example, like the movable barrier where like in the morning, it's five lanes one way, and then they have a machine that moves it over. So on the, the rush hour coming home, that side of the road gets the extra lane. Is that like an example? And is that obviously it's manual right now, but is that something that potentially could be done? kind of almost automatically? Yeah, I think that can be done automatically through the signal, right? So through the traffic signal. And another thing I want to give you an example for is curing, ramping, right? So for the particular freeway ramping, and when the one car get onto the freeway or get off the freeway, that ramp area is typically either where the accident happened most of the time, and another is your bottleneck when curing. So by using autonomous vehicle and the intelligent infrastructure communicated to autonomous vehicle, we can achieve this, what we call the coordinated driving experience. So we, you know, this group of the people in this area can coordinate that speed. So everybody can make sure there is mobility and the security we can reach at the same time. How would you say that one can achieve intelligence? So to achieve that intelligence, I think it's important to converge in different disciplines. So this is, cannot just be done by civil engineering, right? So if you think about it, this involving not only traditional civil engineering in the design, the construction, the material, but also involving a lot of sensing, right? In a lot of the data analysis, and also involving optimization. Let me give you an example. If we put sensors, the electrical engineer needs to develop the smart sensors working on with a civil engineer to understand where to put sensors, right? And then when the sensor gets data, how are you going to use this data? You need to have a data scientist, right? Go through this, what we call machine learning or deep learning, and then looking at what are the patterns, what is importance. And then you need to have a, people who are on a communication, wireless communication. How can we sending the data to the cloud and then the cloud is sending to the user, I think that we need to achieve this by different disciplines to work together. And we also need to achieve this by government, by academic uh, researchers, engineers, and also the industry work together. So we have to break the silos. Of course, the policymaker is very important, right? So from policy standpoint, right, what's the technical barriers? I think those are the important things. Luna, we originally reached out to you because of an article that was published on the Purdue University news site about research that's been done on sensors that could speed up construction schedules. Could you talk a little bit about that and kind of the goal associated with that project? 
I was briefly mentioned a little bit about this when we talk about intelligent infrastructure. So this is one of the projects that we have been working at Purdue in collaborating with the Indiana Department of the Transportation. So what we did is we developed the smart sensor can read a lot of information about concrete. We can read the strength of the concrete. We can read when concrete is ready to take traffic. We can read the quality of the concrete. So in this sense, as I said, you know, we can make a data-driven decision. What happens if you're looking at because currently we are more in the rely on experience, so the guessing and the productivity has been slow. I'm using roads as example. Actually, if you think about high-rise building, this is an even more issue. Concrete, it's always the very early in the beginning of the construction schedule, right? You build footings, you build a foundation, the deck, the columns, beams. And when we should reshore, when we should pull in this post-tension beams, so if we could increase or improve this productivity, every schedule productivity, every step, like 1%, 10%, if you think about it, what's that overall impact on the entire schedule? So we had done this work with a couple of pilot study. One is three with Indiana DOT on the three interstate. And then one is also with Wilhelm Construction Indiana on Purdue Gateway Project, which is $400 million multi-floors structure and we have found in general we can help engineers to improve 20 to 30 percent of their productivity so if you think about that is can translate a large amount of dollar right in terms of equipment in terms of labor in terms of your general insurance right your your workman's comp Another thing I really want to emphasize is this can also minimize the over-design issue. So as a civil engineer, we have been trained always a little bit more conservative. I think this is a good thing, right? Because we take a very big responsibility. Everything we times 1.3, 1.5 safety factor. What that means is translating into the design. We typically overuse the material to get that level of the confidence level. But if we have this real-time data to giving you that information, so we generally can reduce a large amount of the material. I use concrete as an example. We typically do 10 to 15% more cement use because of this faster pace construction schedule is driving everything open earlier. So people try to reach high early strengths by adding more cement. But by using this sensor, we find out actually for a large amount of volume, you have this large hydration. Actually, your strength is reached. You know, we're still doing this four by eight cylinder testing. And clearly, you have a large difference between this very small volume and a large small volume of the sample. Another thing that can be really exciting in the industry when you can think about schedules, I mean, everyone wants things to get done faster. And if we could do it in a way that's smarter, then that's awesome. So another article in the Exponent, and you talked about this a little bit earlier that you were featured in, you talked about the idea of roadways and bridges that can communicate with cars and kind of collect their own data. You gave us a little bit of an example of it before, but talk a little bit more about how that might work functionally. One thing I want to add it on, Anthony, just quickly. So that sensor project actually being awarded ASCE Game Changer for this year. So I think it's because of potential impact on the industry, on the schedule, and on the cost. So going back to your question about how can we communicate it through the sensors, 
I think the idea of using the sensor is really try to reach four things at the same time. We want to reach safety, mobility, and sustainability and security at the same time. In the past, we always talk about highway safety, which is the most important things, not only safety, but also how can we keep the road opening, right? So I give you example, for instance, by using the roadside sensors and also some sensors on the vehicle, you could gather the data of the speed and you could gather the data of the road condition, right? Where is a pothole, if there is icing, if there is, uh, you know, the snow on the road, and then if there is a work zone in behind of you and what particular this real-time data is important, right? So this real-time data can feedback to the user. And as I said, you know, the, all the user in this particular zone area can have this coordinated driving speed, which can help each other, what we call the harmonized driving, right? Harmonized traffic, which can reach this mobility and safety at the same time. And I think this is a particularly important for a city, not only in the highway, but also for a city. If you think about the city has a lot of a problem, not only about the traffic, the car, autonomous vehicle, but also pedestrian, right? And the bicycle people, which we call vulnerable traffic users and how we put that into the perspective and particular at the intersection of the city. And these are very important things. These are all exciting things. If you're a civil engineering professional and you're hearing these things, I mean, they open up a lot of opportunities, I think, for us to help the public even more, which is what our ultimate responsibilities are. So this is great. So Luna, before we end up with this segment, are there any other exciting projects that you're working on that you'd like to share with our audience? I think at this point we're working on in general, I can't tell too much in detail about the specific project, but in general is to reaching this intelligent infrastructure enabling mobility, safety, sustainability, and security at the same time. And to make sure our infrastructure has this feature, which is, you know, adaptive, which is autonomous, and also which is sustainable and can communicate with us. But one thing I would like to bring out, Anthony, is, you know, you talk about this pandemic and how pandemic impact on the economy. But, uh, you know, you probably already noticed that this actually pandemic has accelerated the technology adoption, not only about Zoom, but even in the construction. If you think about it, the people start using the AR and the VR and, the, you know, long distance working, the BIM. And I see all those technologies have been quickly adopting to the construction industry. Because of pandemic, people are more accepting this virtual or connected world. I am excited for this. I think in general, construction is a slow adopting technology in the industry, right? As an industry, we're a little bit slow to react into the construction, to the technology development. But on the other hand, it's bring a tremendous challenge for the civil engineers. And with this older physical infrastructure, how we adapting to the newer technology at accelerated speed. I think that is some things we need to think about it. And we need to really work together to transform this challenge into opportunity. I'm a big believer that there's opportunities in every situation. And I think one opportunity that this pandemic has brought to us in the civil engineering world is exactly what you said. We're, we've been forced to adopt things quicker. We've been forced to be very adaptable and 
for many years, I know many civil engineering companies that were very limited in terms of remote workforce and, you know, the work from home, it wasn't really an option. And all of a sudden for everybody, it was an option. And it forced these companies to realize that we can work in different ways as civil engineering companies. And I think that that's going to open up a lot of opportunities as we go into the future. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take a break for a minute, and then we're going to come back and we're going to wrap up with Dr. Liu by putting her on the civil engineering hot seat. We'll be right back. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right. So we're back with Dr. Luna Liu, ACPA professor of the Lyle School of Civil Engineering at Purdue University. We've been talking about intelligent infrastructure, learning quite a bit about it. And it is very exciting. I can say that certainly firsthand as a civil engineer myself. But now, Dr. Liu, we want to switch gears a little bit. We're going to put you on the hot seat and we're going to ask you some career-related questions. Are you ready? Yes. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you maybe have a morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that contributes to your success as a professional? I generally like to take a walk after lunch. And the reason I like to do that is the time for me to synchronize with myself and think about it. What is the most important things I need to accomplish this week or this month? And then it's sort of a meditation plus exercise. Every day we have so many noises to try to distract it as a cell phone and, you know, your computer. And I think at this time being just completely synchronized with yourself, is important and keep it things in a perspective. All right. Is there one book that you might recommend to engineers or just one book that you found to be helpful for you in your personal or professional development efforts? Rather than one book, I actually like to read one type of book. It's the autobiograph for technology inventors or innovators. So you probably know this, the famous author, Water Isaken. He has wrote so many famous uh, innovators, including Benjamin Franklin to Steve Jobs, and also including recent published book called The Interpreter or that is for the professor Jennifer Idahoe at the University of Berkeley who invented the genome editing. This type of the book, it really helped me understanding their thought process and understanding how they take the challenge. And another thing it really is sort of a put you in the perspective, if you think about those people who are so accomplished, they also have this very down moment, right? And what's their perseverance to help them succeed in the end? And I think that is very important. So I have two last questions for you. The first one is, we call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator, let's say with a civil engineer and they want to become you know, a leader in this industry, they're excited about their careers, based on your experience in the civil engineering industry so far in your career, what would you tell that person in maybe 30, 40 seconds in terms of career advice? I think it's important to be very proud of the work we have been done to the society and the, think about the impact we are having on people's daily life, right? And to be frankly, honestly, civil engineering is very underappreciated the discipline. 
everybody excited about the computer gears, the new iPhone. Nobody excited about, oh, Interstate 65. When you're driving on that every day safely through the bridges, how many people say, oh, thank you, Greek civil engineers. You guys designed, built this safe bridges, right? However, you know, if you think about it, the volume, the work we have been done improving people's quality of their life, I think there is no discipline can compare to the civil engineering. And also, let's just not limit ourselves just in the civil. I think that civil, it really means civilians. It doesn't mean just the building or bridges, right? And it means, you know, you're engineering the life for the civilians. And I think there is another discipline called military engineering. But actually, if you go back to the very old definition, there was only two engineers, civil engineer and a military engineer. Civil engineer is to help the civilian's life. And then the electrical engineer takes part of it, become electrical, mechanical, you know, and biomedical, goes on, goes on, goes on. I teach one class. Uh, here, uh, Purdue Civil Engineering for undergrad students. So every single undergrad student at Purdue has to go through my class. So I often tell them this, you know, don't sell yourself short. You know, you make a big, big impact on field, in people's life, in the society, even in the history. You know, we make history, honestly. If you think about Purdue, in particular Purdue, I'm very proud of being professor here. You know, we have a professor who designed the Golden Gate Bridge so the Golden Gate Bridge was designed by Professor Civil Engineering here and Charles Ellis. And, you know, his picture is still on the hallway. And then, then we have, you know, Purdue graduated, lead the company who built the Hoover Dam. Every single major civil infrastructure in the world, not only here, right, in the United States, I think there's some part of the engineer who had been involved either a graduate from here, somewhat related to here. So I think we, we're really proud of the impact we have been done as the profession. To your point, I can hear you how, you know, sometimes civil engineering isn't seen as such a popular profession or people aren't thanking civil engineers for everything they've done. But one thing that I will say, especially after our conversation here today, is that some of the things that you're working on can make civil engineering and engineering in general a lot more exciting. I mean, when people start to understand that their cars can talk to the road, they're going to start to say, wow, you know, this is really cool. And, you know, this is really something that I may want to get involved with. And that kind of leads me to my last question for you, Dr. Liu, which is how does a civil engineer listening to this podcast episode get involved with intelligent infrastructure? Do they look for courses? Because this is like a new field, of course, a, a field that's blossoming here. How might one get involved in the field? Oh, that's a great question. So there is many ways to get involved in the field. One of, of course, as you say, through the continuous education so, for instance, Purdue has graduate courses called the Master in Civil Engineer through edX. So, you know, edX is the largest free online learning platform. So I have a class on nanotechnology for IoT sensing, which we talk about this type of technology. We also have the courses for how you harness the temperature difference between the surface of concrete and the air to convert into electricity to power the light bulbs or traffic signals such as this, right? So that's one thing. And I'm, there's a lot of great information. My colleagues' uh, transportation from structure has been putting on there. Important information is as a civil engineer, 
either from design or construction or from the maintenance or asset management perspective. But let's just to keep open-minded and looking at newer technology and how can we adopt this into our daily practice. Because I know a lot of our listeners work in civil engineering, they're, you know, they're experienced, maybe they're in transportation, and I can certainly see how this something like this would be exciting to them and interesting and an interesting avenue in their career that they could explore. And I'm happy that you were able to come here and share some about the industry and about the work you're doing. It's exciting. And thank you so much for spending some time with us. Where can they learn about this uh, from the, on the website of Purdue? Or what's the best place to go? So they can look at Purdue Lyle School of Civil Engineering and also the Center for Intelligent Infrastructure website and also my research group called the Smart Lab or Sustainable Material and Renewable Technology Lab. There's a lot of information on there. And also, if they want to learn more about it, they can email me. And my email is very uh, short, Luna, L-U-N-A, my first name, at purdue.edu. So I'm very happy to interact with people in the field. That's great. Well, Dr. Liu, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciated this opportunity. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Liu. As I said at the top of the episode, I really do think that the topics that she's discussed in this episode hold tremendous future opportunities for civil engineering professionals and just the whole civil engineering industry. And I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. You can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 172, and there you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And remember, you can check out all of our training programs that might be a benefit to you or fellow staff or team members within your company by visiting engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Click on the training tab and there you'll find our civil engineering collective service as well as our engineering management accelerator series, which consists of people skills training, project management training, and seller doer or business development training. Or remember, you could always call our office at any time at 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.